These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hey, I'm Dave Marr. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My guest on the podcast this week is Ajwa Ejipong. She is a friend of mine who I met through organizing on the various campaigns to defund the Chicago Police Department. She is a lovely, warm, insightful, and thoughtful organizer. And I'm excited for you to hear more from her, hear her story, hear our dynamic, to be honest. I I really like Ajwa, and I'm excited to have her on the show. She, instead of any social media, she just has a couple of petitions that especially if you are in Chicago, she would love you to sign. So check those out in the show notes. Check my social media profiles out in the show notes. My newsletter, which you can subscribe to if you go to my website, this is daymar.com. And also, if you'd like to hear the extended full version of this episode, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. You can also get tons of other little bonus stuff, little bonus stuff like uh, playlists and occasional live virtual shows, um, behind the scenes looks at the podcast. So yeah, check go over to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and sign up. I want to thank my Pigeon Level subscribers, Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, and Kurt Chang. And I also want to let folks know that this is the first in-person interview I've done for the show. So two things about that. Still getting the mic situation sorted out for that. So it sounds a little different, let's say. And also, it's fucking cicada season, at least in Chicago. So there's just going to be some background cicadas. So I, I like to pride myself on getting good audio quality, but I got to be honest, it's, uh, it's, I would like it to be better. So for this episode, so, but this is the interview we got. So we're, we're embracing what we've got. Um, so, you know, enjoy this conversation with Ajwa for what it is. And without further ado, here it is, my conversation with Ajwa Ejipong. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatan. When I'm in Shatan, I treat it like it's mine. What do you hope happens when you die? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he said, what do I hope happens mm-hmm. when I die? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I feel like two things. Either one I would be happy with. One, that, like, I die and that's just it. Like, it's like I go to sleep and I just stay asleep forever. Okay. That would be amazing. Right. Um, and by asleep, you don't mean, like, awareness of a blackness. You mean, like, lights fully out. Yeah. Like, okay. when you are, like... No consciousness. Mm-hmm, yeah. Dead to the world. I think that would be amazing because, like, you know, my parents talk a lot about death, especially my dad, because he's not, like, that old, but he's, like... You know, slowly starting to get older. Um, and he talks about, like, how he's excited to die. What? Really? Yeah. Well, that's, like, a very, like, I don't want to say African thing or immigrant thing, but I think it's, like, very common, like, a lot of immigrant um, cultures to just 
we have like a very chill relationship with death in a way that like I've noticed Americans don't. Yeah. Wait, wh- why though? Why do you think that is? Not to speak to like all immigrants, but why like do you think coming from your specific background, like why are your parents, why are Ghanaians or the kind of Ghanaians that your parents are, like why are they chill about death? I mean, because it's like all around them, you know? Like okay. my mom's mom died um, of a snake bite when she was oh, shit. like in her teens and her sister died the same way. Oh my God. Yeah, so you know, like, Death is like Jesus. A very it's just a it's a aspect of life. Um like people's kids died all the time. Um like from snake bites, from malaria, from a lot of things that like in the US, you know, could be easily cured. Right. So I think that like when death is all around you, it's like more of a chill thing. Like It's like it, the visibility thing. Mm-hmm. The thing about how in America we like hide away our elderly and the dying, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so your dad talks about how much he's looking forward to it. You are excited about it. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm excited about it, but if, like, death is truly, like, just an endless sleep, I'm excited about it because, like, the reason my dad is excited to die is because it's, like, you can finally fucking rest. Like, oh, my, oh God, my God. That's so sad. No, like, I feel like, you know, life is so long and so... Like, sometimes it can be so hard, and it's just, like... Yeah. Imagine, like, when you're 80, you finally just... You've done all you could. you like, really put an effort in, and now you can just fucking rest. Like, you know how, like, after you've gone on, like, a long walk or a long hike or whatever, you come home and you sit, and it just feels like the best thing in the world? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel like death is going to be, if it is like that. Like, if it is just, like, an endless sleep, mm-hmm. I feel like it's just going to be, like the most relaxing, like, oh my god, I can finally just fucking take a break kind of thing. But, I mean, yes. But the way you get to enjoy that, if that is the case, is literally only at the very end of your life for a split second. I mean, that's okay, you know? It's not like when you're dead in this scenario, you're getting to enjoy that rest. That's okay, you know? <laughs> <laughs> What's the other one? What's the other one you hope it is? You know, like, um, I would love it. I think it'd be really cute if it was, like, um, in the good place. And I don't mm. want to... I really want... I really wish that you had seen the good place so I could, like, tell you. What? I've seen all of the good place. Wait, you have? Yeah. I thought you, I thought you were the friend I talked to who had never seen the good place. No. You said you did not have that many white man friends, so there's no way that this is, uh, like, <laughs> that you're for- mixing me up with someone else. You never know. I might be mixing you with another, another man, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, the point is, I've seen The Good Place. Yeah. So, what yeah. are you, so you can reference anything. <laughs> Great. Yes. So, you know how at the end, it's like, they, um create like a new system where um people come and they don't like even if they can't go to the good place straight away they have like a chance to like go back to earth and like try again try again try again Mm -hmm. like for me i really like that like just that view that like maybe i fucked up a couple times on earth but i can like be redeemed and i feel like that'd be cute to have like the afterlife just be about like making you the very best person you can become 
Okay. And then you go to the good place. You enjoy like a little bit of time of like just living in heaven and or in the good place, relaxing, chilling, doing all the things you want to do, and then just piecing off when you're done. You know. Okay. So still, still a cessation mm. of consciousness at some point. Yeah, I would like that. Does that not freak you out? No. Um. Not really. Really. Not really. No. Okay. I just, yeah, I feel like being conscious is like such a gift, but I also think that like, you know, it's a little bit of a burden. And (laughs) so I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem with it just, with it just ending, consciousness being over. What about funeral planning? Mm. So one thing is, um, I'm never going to do that American sad funeral thing. Okay. I would never do that. Um, Ghanians, um, for Ghanians, funerals are like parties, you know? Really? Like, you, like you've attended Ghanian, part, Ghanian funerals that are party? I've never gone to a Ghanian funeral that was not a party. Okay. Because this is a thing that a lot of people say mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, I don't want it to just be sad. I want people to to party Mm -hmm. but if you are i mean definitely a white person but i'll say even just like an american person i think you're pretty likely for it to just default to that if you don't make concrete plans yeah but this is interesting you're saying like gunning that's not the default so i believe you yeah no i've never like i've never been to a ghanian funeral that wasn't a party like i remember growing up i would go to parties and like i would see like my auntie's like twerking on my grandpa and i'd be like oh what's happening like i would think it was like a celebration or like you know a party for like someone's kid or something it's a long story when i say that but um and then i would like ask my parents like what what were we celebrating and they'd be like oh yeah someone died and i'd just be like oh lit (laughs) (laughs) wow you didn't even know that it was a funeral going in don't like I and mean, it's not like because when you said twerking on your grandpa i was imagining your grandpa was the one who had died no. and they were like twerking on the coffin or something no, like that that's that's you know Ghanians, we love to have a good time but that's a little too much. okay that's, like, <laughs> that's a little too much okay are they, so what so you're down with like a traditional Ghanaian funeral yeah you know like everyone having a good time um everyone dancing singing like my grandma um died like last year no 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 no. that's not true my grandfather <laughs> i'm so sorry so sorry <laughs> you're like crossing yourself why is that why is that why are you superstitious about that i just feel bad because like my grandma died many years ago okay um and i feel bad that I confused my grandmother's death with my grandfather's death okay but my grandfather died last year um and they my parents had and um my parents, specifically my dad and his family, had to like reschedule the funeral over and over and over. And it was because like um, with COVID, they couldn't have the kind of funeral that they right, had. right, right. Um, and you know, with like Ghanaian funerals in Ghana, especially for someone who's like really well known in the village, it's um, like they have a parade, they have things like that. Um, and they couldn't do that because, you know, mm-hmm. COVID. And then um, the president of Ghana actually said, like, 
y'all cannot have any more funerals. Like, I think earlier this year. So. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, they do it big and it's a lot and it's maybe not the safest right now. Okay. Sure. So, but wait, how does that relate to um, what you would or wouldn't want at your own? Oh, I mean, like for me, like it's tradition to have like a big, like if you can have a big funeral and either way, like to have like, you know, one that's like festive and fun. So for me, that's what I would want when I died. Like, I don't know if I would want it to be like in Ghana, but I definitely would want it to have like the same energy, you know? Yes. You don't want there to be a global pandemic going on when you die. That'd be cute. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been back to Ghana? Not recently, no. But you've been there. Yeah, I've been there. Okay. And my parents um, moved there earlier this year. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, they moved back. So um, in the next couple of years, you know, I'll be going there more often. Um, Wait, so is your dad still working for an American company? No, he's like trying to run his own. Oh, he legit is Mm -hmm. starting up? Okay, Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. Damn, that's exciting and crazy. So what other elements, you you have a lot of people, Mm -hmm. parade if you're well-liked. Wait, does that mean that if you're not well-liked, like, low-key people are just kind of like, we'll have a little party, but we're not going to make a big deal about this guy? Yeah. Okay. What other elements are there of a traditional Ghanaian funeral that that you would be excited to have? Um, like, one thing I always loved was, like, everyone would wear, like, the most colorful clothing they had. And mm. I really love that. Like, we don't do black. That's not, it's not cute, you know? Okay. In my opinion. Um, so I would love it if, like, everyone was, like, wearing the bright colors. Um, I loved Ghanaian funerals because they always had, like, amazing food. Um, and I've noticed that, like, a lot of funerals, like, I think they have food at the wake. But yeah. But they don't have, like, food at the funeral. And I don't, like, I would rather have, like, food at the event. Okay. You know? And even though I can't eat it, you know, I just want people to be full. Because you're the, why, but if it, oh, if you're dead, you're saying, not yeah. because of your dietary restrictions. No, no, no. I'm, you know, I'm a Taurus. I just want everyone I know to be fed. Okay. <laughs> um, what, what is the Ghanaian funeral food? Um, it's just normal, like, party food. So, like, um, party rice, which is jollof, um, fried chicken, stew, a little bit of rice, um, things like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, any other, other than the food, any other elements that Hmm. are like part of, is there funeral music that's typical? Yeah, just party music. So like, um, anything, basically what you would hear on like the top 40 in, um, Ghana, that would be what would be playing at a funeral. Okay. Yeah. Who's the, who are the like Ghanaian pop artists right now? Oh God, there's a lot, but I don't remember any of their Because I know there's like... I know some of the, like, African pop that's happening right now, but, like, I think, like, WizKids from, like, Lagos, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Burna Boy isn't... I think he's Nigerian, right? Yeah, I think Nigeria is where a lot of the stuff that I know yeah. comes from. Like, I truly do not know, and I feel bad, but I don't remember. Um, I will say that, like, when I was younger, I remember um, the big person was this guy named Daddy Lumba. Okay. Yeah. I love the name. Yeah, I really love the name too. Um, and he had like a lot, he had a lot of bangers. Like, even to this day, if I hear a Dad Lumba song, I'm like, ooh, yes. You okay. Know? What, what, what does Lumba mean? I don't know. 
Okay, because it sounds like slang for like lumber. I don't know. And it's just very like floompy, like balum 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 balum. You know what I mean? Where are you looking up Daddy Lumba yes, songs? I'm okay. I'm looking it up. I'm trying to see if I can like find like one of the. Yeah. You can play it since we're like live yeah. in person. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, this is the one that's like most popular. So let's see. Yes. This is like every dining party. You will hear the song. Yes. What is it called? Um, Evan, well, I don't you know what I'm not. I'm going to be honest. Spell it for me, though. What? Here. It's A B E N space W O. Uh-huh. And A-H-A. And you hear him say it. Because I cannot... I'm going to be honest. I used to be able to speak, like, um, the biggest Ghanaian language. I learned how to speak Fonti, and I can't anymore. So I don't even know what it means. Now I have less of a question and more of a hypothetical situation for right. you. And the hypothetical situation... Is this? Um, excuse me, sorry. This, see, this is the problem with us eating before. Is now I'm like, you know, I'm like digesting, and that's a problem. Um, okay, so here's the. Okay, so here's the premise. The premise is. In the afterlife, right. you get to fully relive one memory. Okay, so fully relive means you drop down into it. It's not just like playing like a movie in your mind. You're like, it's like virtual reality, right? Uh, but you do have to choose just one. But it's not like all your other memories get wiped and you're not stuck there. It's just like a room you can enter whenever you want. Yeah. But if you have to choose just one... What memory do you choose? So, I actually know exactly what memory I would choose. And it's funny because in the memory, it's not like with people who I was like close to. You okay. Know? Um, so, for me, um, I used to travel a lot. And I never like really loved traveling. But I had one really amazing trip to New Orleans. And it was with... Um, some people who I had done my gap year with. Um, cause like I, between high school and college? Mm -hmm, okay. I did a gap year where I joined like AmeriCorps. And we went on this like very low-key weekend trip to New Orleans to like do this reunion after like we had been separated for a couple of years. And um, during one of the days, we like were hanging out the whole day. Um, we like saw street performers. And then we ended the day by like going to um like a grocery store getting a bunch of snacks getting um like orange juice and champagne to make mimosas and we went over to like a dock and we just like poured mimosas and watched the sunset and it was like such a low-key memory but it's honestly like one of my favorite memories in the world like just hanging out with people who like i don't think i've talked to any of those people in like years and they're not like people i'm close to but i don't know it was just such a nice 
like moment. Night mimosas. Huh? Night mimosas. Yeah. That's like a rare <laughs> time to drink mimosas. Yeah, but that's what we did. I mean, it's New Orleans. You can do whatever you want. Okay. I mean, within reason. Okay, sure. And respectfully. <laughs> but so, well, but you said you like immediately had this. Mm-hmm. So what makes, especially if you've traveled a bunch, mm-hmm. I assume you've had a lot of experiences like this. Yeah. So what makes this one so special? Honestly, I have no idea. Like, I think it was just that the whole weekend was so nice. Like, I think when I've traveled, there's always been, like, one day or, like, a moment that's been, like, really stressful or annoying. Mm. And I think the reason that moment really stuck out to me was that, like, the whole weekend was great. Like, even, like, one moment where... Like, we were looking for someone, and that was, like, a little stressful. was still fun. And, yeah, I think just having, like, this one trip where nothing went bad, nothing was anxiety-inducing, everything was just straight fun. Um, And also, like, since I wasn't, like, with my best friends, I didn't feel, like, the need to, like, entertain people, which I sometimes do when Mm, I'm with, like, my really good friends. Okay. It's just, like, they were just people who... Like, we had, like, the perfect level of, like, closeness. Like, we were close enough that I felt comfortable with them, but not too close where I was, like, oh, I don't want to, like, you know, do something to upset them or annoy them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you didn't feel a responsibility. You didn't feel like you had to babysit. Yeah. But you were comfortable enough that when you were watching the sunset drinking mimosas, Mm -hmm. you could have that sort of magical look how far I've come, what is my life, what's it going to be sort of feeling. Yeah. Or was that even part of it? That's just what I'm, like, no, like was, projecting onto this moment. For me, it was just, like, this immense feeling of relaxation. Like, mm. for me, when I think about, like, the moments that really stick out, it's never, like, moments where I've had, like, tons of fun. Like, I remember that there was this time when I was in New Orleans, like, I think for, like, the second or third time, and it was Mardi Gras. And so this was this after or before this Sunset was, Mimosas? Like, way before. Okay. This is way before Sunset Mimosas. This is like one of my first trips and this is like one of my most recent trips. Well, not most recent trip. This is after I've been to like New Orleans like dozens of times. Yeah, yeah. Um I remember I went um we were it was Mardi Gras. We were on like Frenchman Street and my friends and I were like dancing in the street and we were like following this big truck. And it was, like, a very, like, amazing, fun moment. And I feel like if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is, like, such a, like, movie moment. And honestly, I would not put that, like, even on my top 20. <laughs> like, it was so much fun. But, like, for me, I've always really just enjoyed the, like, really low-key, like, I'm with someone I really love. I'm really comfortable. Like, I'm just chill. That's, like, those are the moments I enjoy the most. Like, Or even with someone you don't really love. <laughs> Yeah, or even with the people who I don't really love, you know? Not that you h- hated these people no. in the memory you choose, mm-hmm. but... They're not like the, my most loved people. To me, that speaks to, like, are are you just very... Are you one of the people that you love? Like, do you... Ge- it sounds like you. there's, like, a genuine self-love there, if you're oh, able to yeah. spend. yeah, I definitely would say I'm the person who loves the best. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel, like, so, like, you know... What is it? Like, I I don't know. I That's, like, my honest answer. I'm the person I love the most. Um, Have you always... Has that always been that way for you? Absolutely not. There was a long time where I was the person I hated the most. So. Really? Growth, right? <laughs> Growth, right? <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that might be a good transition into my next question, Mm -hmm. which is, what's your coma? Um, Not literally, (laughs) just metaphorically. You know I was in a coma for a month, right? And so it's like, any moment like that, big or small, doesn't have to be some epic tale, Mm -hmm. that before you were one version of yourself, after Mm -hmm. you were another. And if I may request this specific story around the switch from being the person you hate the most to the person you love the most. Like, can you pinpoint how that happened? I will start with the second question first. Well, they're they're the same question. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. You're saying like, what was my coma moment that made me? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I, like, with self-love, I do not know. I do not know that there was, like, a specific moment. I will say that I know it started. So maybe I'll say that um, this is, like, not a specific moment, but, like, the time when yeah. it started. Which was when um, I had just gone through, like, the worst depression of my life. Um, I was, like, you know, really, really depressed. And it was really rough. Um like, my entire body felt heavy. I couldn't, like, like, I couldn't even, I lived right behind the anthropology building, and I was an anthropology major, so I would go there every single day, and the building was, like, um, like, a five-minute walk from my apartment, and, like, that five-minute walk would be, like, hell on earth, um, and, you know, I was, like, very suicidal. It was, like, really not great, and I think for me, um, when I, like, started to get help. I got like a psychiatrist. Um, I was like really, I had ADHD before that, like even before, like I knew I had ADHD before, like I went through that. But when I went through that, I was like, I should probably, you know, get tested. And then um, I got tested for that. And I ended up seeing a psychiatrist afterwards where we talked about like my depression and my ADHD. And um, like, I started seeing, I very briefly saw a therapist, but um, having the conversations with my psychiatrist at that time was, they were like really like soothing and like helpful because like my psychiatrist was just like a bro. Like he was like (laughs) very much like your average, like, you know, um, like SEC, you know, frat boy kind of bro. Okay. And as a psychiatrist? Yeah. White guy? Yeah. Okay. And he like I just really appreciated him because like when I would be like, Oh yeah, I was really depressed and like feeling suicidal, he'd be like, Okay. <laughs> and like just like for me, like I always thought that mental health was like or having like mental health issues was something that you had to like hide. Mm. You had to like push down. And for me, someone who, like, you know, had been dealing with, like, depression without knowing it for so many years, mm-hmm. had been dealing with, like, other things without knowing it for like, so many years, like, being able to, like, say it and then have someone be like, it's chill, was, like, a lifeline. Yeah. And I think that for me, um, like, everything that's, like, happened that's brought me to self-love has just been, like, me realizing that, like, all the things, like, I hate about myself or, like, that I thought were horrible were, like, very much just, like, a normal part of being a human being. Like what? Like, I don't know. I used to, like, I don't know. I used to, like, hate myself because I was, like, oh, I'm so lazy. And I would 
And then, like, I started doing things I enjoyed. And I was like, oh, if you do things you hate, like, <laughs> you're not going to want to do them. Yeah, totally. And, like, just, like, very basic things. Um, I kind of think laziness is, like, I, I, I forget where I saw it. I think there's, like, a book or there's, like, oh, a... Like, re- laziness doesn't exist. Yes. I agree with that. Like, I remember telling someone how, like, I consider myself a lazy person. And they were like, oh, you're talking poorly about yourself. And I'm like, no. I don't think laziness is, like, I don't think laziness is a bad thing. And I don't even think, it, yeah, I don't think it exists. Like, who doesn't want to just lay down, you know? Right. And it's the idea of, like, I mean, you know, when we're, like, organizing and talking about, like, mm-hmm. safety or whatever. The idea that, like, uh, that people are just, like, naturally violent. Mm-hmm. Or that people, like, just want to, like, you know, welfare queen stereotypes or whatever. Mm-hmm. That it's, like, that that's... That anyone wants to just, like, kill people or something. Or, like, wants to, like, rob anyone for their fucking... To get their needs met is, like... like, Miriam Kaba quote. um, Miriam Kaba, and I forgot who else. I think Andrea Ritchie. Okay. That quote about how, like, no one enters violence the first time by committing it. Whoa. Remember? Oh, wait. I don't know if that's in the... Is it in the book? No, it's in another book. I think it's, like... um, it's like a book that um it's not we do this till we free us it's like another book that came out like maybe this year yeah i don't know okay yeah it's a deeper cut <laughs> deep cut a deep cover it's a Miriam kaba b-side um so okay that's yeah i don't think it's a Miriam kaba book though yeah 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 that's interesting i mean i think that's kind of what i'm saying but i'm also saying that like that no one mm-hmm. uh yeah, j- just that wanting to that laziness doesn't exist in the same way that like bad people don't yeah. exist. It's like you can create the conditions for laziness, yeah. like misery in your fucking life and depression and like having a job you hate. Mm-hmm. But and not that there are quick fixes for those things, but yeah. Yeah, because, like, laziness is something that was made up because, like, we are, like, a society that, like, runs on labor. If you're not doing labor, mm-hmm. then you're a bad person and you're lazy. Right, and right, right. like, imagine, like, 200 years ago, like, if someone, like, did their labor for the day and then just sat down. I, I said 200. I mean, like, 2,000, 3,000. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think about, like, yeah, like, old, like, Greek, you know platonic like yeah. plato what are they called dialogues god damn it why am i like totally i, I think I know allegories talking. you know the plato stories whatever oh, plato's, little, plato's little stories <laughs> i think it's like plato's allegories or something well he's got the allegory of the cave but like oh my god, oh my god. i think it's a dialogue i think because it's like socrates <laughs> talking to other people okay. but they're like definitely talking about vocations right and there's like farmers and there's the idea of being like idol and the bible has stuff where jesus is talking about like you know planting things in the field and reaping things and so it's like right so i wonder was laziness around that at that time or is it the translations of the bible we got Mm -hmm. that like plugged into our sort of this sort of capitalist grind set mode that's such a good question but i have (laughs) i would love to like know the answer because i am I have no idea, but it does make me think about like one professor I had when I was an anthropology student and he, um, 
oh fuck i wish i remember it the specific type like the specific name but he basically studied like leisure time and oh he studied drudgery okay was, okay and it was all about like figuring out like you know people did jet- drudgery and then they did other things and like it makes me wish that i had like actually like really read his stuff like i did for class but right 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 outside class I like the idea of someone doing drudgery. Yeah. I'm going to go do some drudgery. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. <laughs> okay. So the idea that laziness doesn't exist mm. um, and like recontextualizing yourself based on being accepted by the psychiatrist, mm-hmm. but where else does like, so that gets us to neutral, right? That gets us away from like hating ourselves, mm-hmm. but what flips the needle into like loving yourself? I feel like, you know, when you're not like, when your eyes aren't covered by like all the shit that you hate by your, about yourself, it's much easier to see like the things that you love, especially when you're doing things that you enjoy. Like for me, when I was in college, I felt like I was doing the things, I was studying the things I wanted to study. I had the kind of friends I wanted to have. Like a lot of them are still my good friends to this day. People who I like talk to every single day. Where did you go to college? I went to college at University of Georgia. Oh, okay. Oh, dogs. Yes. <laughs> oh, we had like, I think our school had the most um, uh, Olympians this year. Wow. Yeah. I was gonna, I made like a really inappropriate joke to someone about that, but I'm just gonna not say that. And I'm just gonna say, I'm so happy <laughs> for my school, you know? I think okay. we really do have like, you know, um, athletic excellence mm-hmm. okay yeah so you so you're noticing the things that you love about yourself and you're spending time with these people yeah i think like for me because like i was like i said i was studying the things i want to study i was hanging out with the kind of people i want to hang out with i was you know doing the kind of things i was wanting to do because i was like a student organizer um i did a lot of things like um for we would like support farm workers and we like did a lot um, of sweatshop organize, organizing, like to get our school to um, get rid of sweatshop labor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like all those things, like made me feel like really fulfilled. And I don't know, like when you don't hate yourself, you're doing things you generally like, truly, truly enjoy. It's like much easier to like find like compassion for yourself, and then it's so much easier to like find like things you like about yourself. Um, and, like, through that, I was able to, like, very slowly start to love myself. And I think that it wasn't until, like, I moved to Chicago and I've been through, like, a year or so of therapy that I was like, oh, yeah, this is, like, a good time. But I think it really started... Like, Being me is a good time? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, it really started, like, I don't know. I think, like, while I was still in school, like, I don't know if I would have said specifically that I love myself, I started feeling really good about myself after um, my depressive episode and I got help. I got on, like, antidepressants and then mm-hmm. that really helped. Yeah. Have you had other depressive episodes since then? Um, yes, but not to that level. Right, right, yeah. right. And, and is there just, like, an awareness you're like, I know this is temporary, mm-hmm. I still love myself somewhere. Yeah, like, I had, like, a depressive episode, like, during COVID, like, everyone else. Right, right. And it was really interesting because I actually didn't realize it was a depressive episode because, like... I never do until it's, like, a month and a half in. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I was, like, talking to my therapist. And I was, like, you know, 
I just feel really sluggish and like <laughs> I cannot clean my apartment. Yeah. After like keeping it clean all year. And she was like, Yeah, you're probably depressed. And I was like, Oh, because like normally when I like when I was younger, when I get depressed, it would be like a lot of like self-loathing, mm-hmm. lots of self-hatred, mm-hmm. lots of anxiety. And this time I was just like, I feel very sluggish and I cannot, you know, feed myself and I cannot <laughs> like do the basic things. Mm-hmm. But like I'm still you know, I'm still chugging along. Yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. hate myself. Yeah. You know. Well, and it's funny because when we talked about ambition mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. and I don't know if, if that'll be in, in this, in the main episode here or not, <laughs> or in the extended episode on Patreon. The deep cut. <laughs> but, but you talked about this ambition for, mm-hmm. um, for living the kind of life you want. And it's, and now you're saying that living the kind of life you want, following that intuition Mm -hmm. is what gives you self love. So it's like transitive property of like the ambition is so, like, there's like a huge overlap between the ambition and the self love. I didn't even think about it, Dave. You're like, (laughs) you're like a therapist. But yeah, I, but right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a very beautiful like humble aspiration I feel like to just want to like love yourself as much as you can while you're alive I think after like 18 years or like 19 years of like lots of hatred for yourself it's like a nice it's like a nice fucking break it's it's really great like I I feel like this has been the longest I felt like really good about myself a long time and I feel like I'm such a different person now than I used to be like I think I told you, I feel like a real adult. Um, like when I was like 25, I didn't feel like a real adult. And it wasn't until I started like going to therapy. I moved to Chicago. I really started like taking ownership of my shit and like really continuing to live the life I wanted and like creating the kind of world I want, like the kind of world around myself I wanted that like, yeah, I started feeling like a real adult. I'm feeling really good. And yeah, it's just great. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything deep to say. There's no, 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 nothing. Um, but yeah. Okay. So. Also, I th- I do want to just add one quick thing. Yeah. When you said that was like a very nice aspiration. What meant what I was trying to say is that like when you like hate yourself for so long, it does like it feels like something impossible, you know. So it's yes. like an impossible aspiration. So for me, like that's like it's a big fucking deal. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it still feel like I don't think I've gotten quite there. Mm-hmm. I And I think in some ways it's because there are these external, mm-hmm. like creative career related yeah. accomplishment goals that I have that haven't been fulfilled yet. Like if I died right now, it'd very much be like, you know, there'd be good things to say and it's not like I've lived a bad life, but it like definitely feels unfinished, you know? And so, so I, so it's, and, and, and where I'm struggling right now mm-hmm. is to like find the sort of the, the self love. I mean, it, it, it yeah. sounds so like uninteresting when you speak in these like vague, big terms, <laughs> but it's like, but to find some sort of care for myself yeah. without having to reach whatever milestone sell out whatever tour of whatever um and that's really tough to do those at the same time yeah 
I feel like for me, the reason things have been like easier is because like for me internally, I felt like it's been a war zone for so long. And for me, all my ambitions and all my all the goals I really wanted are like internal. I don't really have that many external goals. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to like list my external goals, it would be it'd be cute to like own a house and that's something like <laughs> like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna own like a full house in Chicago. That's like not gonna sure, happen. Sure, sure. But like I am like, you know, starting to save up to buy a condo and things like that. Mm. Um and maybe one day it'd be cute to like have a child. <laughs> sure, are, absolutely. And those are like my external goals. Yeah. Just when you said it, it's maybe why it's easier for you. I just couldn't help thinking that, mm-hmm. like, maybe you do believe that white men do have it harder now in America. <laughs> yes, I truly do. It's been, it sounds like, you know, a lot of suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, no. I, <laughs> I'm not going to touch it, actually. <laughs> Like a hell custom designed to torture you. Dave, I don't want to say it because what if like the CIA hears it? <laughs> um, <laughs> if the CIA is listening to my podcast, that would uh, drastically increase the number of <laughs> listeners. Amazing, I would right? be able to see that they were that like people in Virginia or DC were listening a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. So I think you're pretty safe that. The CIA is not particularly interested in the afterlife comedy podcast, <laughs> but you know, if you really want to uh, take a pass, we can take a pass. Damn. For me, my personal hell would be in a room where there was just a group of men talking at me. Okay. Like, I don't know why, but I... Like, when men talk at me, especially about things I'm not interested in, or Mm -hmm. things I know a lot about, or when they just, like, are boring, like, it just makes me so mad, you know? Yeah. And, like, I, my brother, um, he's a computer programmer, a computer programmer as well. Um, As your dad. Yes. And he um, had, like, a lot of, like, you know, nerdier friends when he was growing up. And, like, hearing them, like, talk and pontificate, it was just, like, oh, my God. So, what, so, okay, if you're in a room with these men, mm-hmm. uh, what what are they talking to you about? What are they explaining to you? Oh, my God. Like, maybe, I don't even know. They're just talking at me about anything. Well, like, what's the ultimate thing you don't care about or the ultimate thing you already know about? Mm, maybe if they were, like, talking about culture... And they were, like, really, like, like trying to sound smarter than they were about culture. I'd be like, oh, my God. Because I told you I was, like, an anthropology major. And now I work for a cultural strategy um, program. So I'm not going to say, like, I know all the ins and outs of culture. But, like, I, I know a little bit more than the average person. So you're not talking about, like, pop culture? No. I'm, well, I'm talking about culture in general. Like, everything about culture. Like, you know, what does a family look like? What, you know... What about our culture makes us do certain things? Things like that. Okay. So if someone were just explaining American culture to you. Yeah. And like how. Or like someone um, once 
there was this guy I once knew who um, started talking. He's not Japanese, but he started talking about how like he went to Japan and he saw some Japanese people doing this. So he was like, "This is what Japanese culture is. This is what they all do." And I was like, "White guy." He was half white. Oh, interesting. And I was just I feel like, like white guys tend to be very annoying about Japan. Sometimes. I think he was white. Okay. He was white, and I was just like. You went to one country. You went to a country <laughs> for a week, and now you're an expert on every single thing that Japanese people do <laughs> because you, like, that doesn't make that doesn't that doesn't make any sense, Dave. That makes no sense. And that is one of the best bits, though, is when people just think that like something so particular to their experience exactly. is universal, uh, or something that they've observed, and especially if it's like odd. Yeah. If it's unique and odd and they're like, you know, how everybody uh, uh, dumps dumps salt and yeah. American cheese all over their watermelon. You're like, what the fuck? Nobody does. I don't know. It's a yeah. terrible example, but you know what I mean? It's like if like when I was in Ghana, um, every time it would rain, they would like every store would like shut down. And it, it makes me think, like, imagine if, like, someone had come to Ghana and they know anything about the culture and they saw that. They might be like, oh, Ghanaians are, like, afraid of the rain. And it's like, no, not quite. <laughs> right, right, right. They're seeing the same evidence, mm-hmm. but they're drawing the wrong conclusions from yeah. it. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. If you're not, like, like, learning, like, understanding, I don't know how to say this without, like, being so annoying. I like no, culture be annoying, is, do it. No, I don't know how to say it in general, honestly. Okay. But like culture is so like is so complicated and it's not something that you can like draw overreaching things about. Like you can definitely say like this is like these are some things that like you can see about like certain groups of people, certain things, but you can't like draw like big conclusions over like small things. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. And I feel like sometimes like people will do that to me and then they'll like at me and they'll just be like talking big shit about like something they don't like cultures and things they don't understand. Yeah. And it's just like you are like having men like I imagine like men talking to me about like a culture like drawing big conclusions or like saying like, oh, you know, this is what Ghanaian culture is like based off the one time I went there. Like, right, oh my right, God, right. I would be so mad. I would just be like, oh, especially Ghanaian culture. That would be perfect. Yeah. If you said you were from Ghana and they took that exactly. right, yes. That would make me so mad. That would really be like my personal hell. And the thing is, like, it's funny because I would not say like I'm an aggressive person at all. Mm-hmm. And I think most of my friends would agree with that. Yeah. But I have one friend who like I would always get into fights with her friends because they would like do that to me. Yeah. Or they would like talk at other people, like other women. And it made me so mad that I would always get into like verbal altercations with them because Good for you. I couldn't. Like I couldn't stand there and just take it. Yeah. And being like being in a space where I had to take it, I couldn't say anything. Oh my god, that really would be like my personal, <laughs> personal hell. Thank you so much for listening. That is the show. Thank you to Ajwa. Thank you to you. Thank you to folks who ha- do subscribe on Patreon. Thank you to you who are about to go subscribe on Patreon.com slash Dave Marr. And tell your friends about the show. If you like it, tell someone else you know who will like it. 
And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Miracles, you can do them. Have faith, you are human, only human, and human beings they do miracles.